The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. Hello, great to have you on the Match Day edition of the Gagan Pod. Coming up on today's show, four teams are through to the knockout stages of the Champions League. Chelsea, the first English team in great form along with Sevilla, they're through, while in Group G, both Barca and Juve are, but they haven't really convinced anybody. John Aloisi joins us to discuss that and plenty more. Mark Schwarzer is with us as well. Pitch side from Old Trafford, where Manchester United got victory and revenge over Istanbul. Bashakcha here will also discuss the player that nobody can stop, potentially the best striker in the world and the other striker that refused to travel on the team bus. Find out why on the show. We'll have Dave Wiener and Thomas Sorensen with me as well. Plenty to discuss as we go through all the goals, all the talking points, all the results and look ahead to Thursday morning as well. Joining me, Richard Baylis, to dissect everything that happened this morning and look ahead to tomorrow, Thomas Sorensen. Hello, Thomas. Good to see you in in the flesh. Yes, great to be back in uh, in Sydney, be able to travel and uh, see the world. So uh, what better place to be in the studio? Is it weird interacting with humans flesh to flesh, so to speak? Uh, other than the family, it's quite, it's quite weird, but, uh, you know... You know, interacting about football, that's uh, that's what we're here for. I've never seen someone, well, actually, Bridgie does it often. I was going to say, never seen never seen someone just bound into the studio the way you did this morning, and that was good to see. Dave Wiener is always nice to see. Have a nice time today, Dave. Yeah, it's good fun. Good to see Thomas not on Zoom for the first time in six months, which has been great, and uh, three stoppage time winners. So there you go. There's a bit of late drama as ever in the Champions League. Are you buzzing this morning, given that your Chelsea uh, were through at, uh, well, not quite the earliest possible stage, but they, they've done a pretty easy and I know today wasn't we'll get to that later on but you must be buzzing yeah it was it was great because it also means Lampard can rest some players in the Champions League and um, rotate given how deep the squad is which I did ask Thomas about on the post game show and I'm sure we'll discuss again today I wonder if I got carried away or whether that's a legitimate question or not uh does Dave get carried away he does when uh, when it tends to uh, be around <laughs> Chelsea he uh, gets a <laughs> smile on his face and uh, <laughs> He is what you would call the second wind in the studio. We get in there early. It's, you know, early before daylight hours and we're struggling for energy and in comes Dave Wiener in the post-game show. Enlivens everybody's spirits. You know, speaking of livening everybody's spirits, Mark Schwarzer was wearing a scarf pitch side on the coverage this morning. He was at Old Trafford for Manchester United's 4-1 win over Istanbul. Basaksa here. Schwarzer, good to have you on the podcast as always. Is the headline story here that Manchester United were really good or was it that their opposition just wasn't very good? Um, well, I think first and foremost, United did enough, did what they had to do. Um, opposition was poor, I have to say. Um, obviously, uh, keeper was very poor as well with a, with a second goal. Um, but, you know, it just goes to show again how important Bruno Fernandes is to this Manchester United side. 
Yeah, that was an interesting talking point because he scored the first two. The first was an absolute rocket. If you haven't seen it out there, head to the highlights. It's a phenomenal strike. The second one, he makes up for an error uh, from the goalkeeper. But then the third, I thought for sure, Schwartzy, he would end up taking the third from the obligatory Manchester United penalty spot. But it was actually Marcus Rashford. And you reckon there was no animosity there? He just said, you know what, Marcus, you can have it. It just seemed pretty pretty normal for me. It sounded, it seemed like uh, it was a kind of a question. I don't know if Bruno Fernandes asked Marcus Rashford, if he wanted it, or Marcus Rashford said something, but it was pretty straightforward and pretty quick that the handover of the ball and Bruno Fernandez didn't seem bothered whatsoever. Um, you could see when Marcus Rashford found the back of the net, he turned straight to Bruno Fernandez and he looked uh, more than happy that, he, that his teammate had scored. Thomas, can you imagine a Manchester United without Bruno Fernandez? As in, let's go to a parallel universe. If he doesn't come in six months or eight months ago, whatever it was, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer surely doesn't have a job and they're a completely different outfit. No, he's he's been a crucial signing. Uh, you know, you saw the turning point ever since he he turned up uh, about a year ago, and and uh, the amount of creativity. Um, you know, yeah, he scores a lot of goals from penalty spots, like you hinted. But uh, you know, again today he pops up, quality strikes, um, and he he you know he's he's behind uh, whatever really goes on at Man United. He's he's in the thick of it. Well, so much so, Thomas, since he joined uh, Manchester United in February, he has been involved in 34 goals and 35 appearances after both today. And that's 16 more than any other in that period. To answer your question about his generosity, um, the back page of the Times tonight in the UK is Fernandez's ger- generous gesture in giving the ball to, to Marcus Rashford. But what I want to uh, ask Schwartzy is, we talk about the, how indispensable he is. Do we learn anything about the prospects of Donny van der Beek maybe adding something to the midfield tempo of United or because of the opposition you can't read too much into that? No, listen, I think I think you can read a lot into it. I think he, he did a good job. Um, I actually thought he was better when when uh, Fernandez and Rashford went off. Only I mean when I say better, he was better in so far as I thought he made some really decisive blocks, some interventions. Um, I think it showed his positional play. I, 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 I thought personally he looked so much more comfortable in playing that deeper role. Uh, next to Fred, um, the other, the other you know, about a month ago when I was there against RB Leipzig, he looked, he just looked like a, a rabbit in the headlights uh, in that sort of position behind, um, behind the, you know, the, 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 the number nine. I think it was Martial on the night. Um, so yeah, you know, he, I think he, I think he showed or started to show some class and why United paid that sort of money for him. The big question I have is how much of an uh, say did did Ole Gunnar Solskjaer have in his in his uh, bringing into the club? I'm not so sure he had a massive say, and that's probably one of the reasons why he hasn't played as often or given an opportunity to play in, I think, his best position. Schwartzy, they're one point away if they can get a draw against PSG at home next week. Manchester United are through to the knockout stages. Surely that buys Solskjaer a hell of a lot more time, doesn't it? I mean, in terms of achievements, to go through with a game to spare would be huge for Manchester United from a tough group, better than almost anybody could have expected. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think beginning of the season, you would have thought, like, when, once the draw was made, you thought, well, this is going to be a real tough one for Manchester United. Um, but obviously, as we've seen, PSG haven't really performed. I mean, lately, they've been disappointing from the from last season's uh, Champions League uh, uh, competition, you know. And Manchester United, you thought, would struggle a little bit. Um, I don't think, I mean, obviously, in terms of ticking a box uh, and saying, yep, yeah, qualification is almost done for the Champions League, which is great. Um but also for United, they need to do well in the league. They need to be up there or thereabouts come towards the end of the season. And I think over the next month or two, 
if they don't maintain, you know, the sort of momentum, the drive to the top, then I think there's going to be calls again very quickly for, for, for a change. Well, one club that uh, certainly no such pressures in the league, Liverpool are flying at the moment. I know that's where you're headed for tomorrow morning's match against Atalanta. Are you predicting one-way traffic in this, Mark? Because whilst people will say, ah, oh, Liverpool have got players out, this could be their chance to be tested against Leicester, against Atalanta, whoever it is, time and time again, they just continue to impress because of that system. Do you expect more of the same? Um, well, I, I expect more of the same of everything. I expect that people are going to su- suggest as well that this is another test for them. Um, they have got so many players out and good quality and top-class players. I mean, that was my biggest question, uh, Mark, over Liverpool's side. How will they deal with uh, any sort of number of injuries? And the response has been perfect. You know, the response has been exactly, you know, I think what you and Klopp probably believe you have in his squad. Um, and they've, they've responded incredibly well. They blew Leicester out of the park. They deserve that. They probably should have won by more. Um, I think tomorrow night, Atalanta, again, it's not been the same Atalanta as last season. Um, but I think Liverpool have been excellent. And I think they'll they'll go on to secure their place in the, in the knockout stages tomorrow night. It was last match day, wasn't it, Dave, when Diogo Jota popped up with a hat-trick. They absolutely smashed the Italian team 5-0 on that occasion. He scored eight goals in all competitions. Now, you as a Chelsea fan, I know you've got all these amazing players that have come in for big money and global superstars they are, but surely you must admit that Diogo Jota has to be, at this point, the signing of the season. He's just phenomenal. Well, as a, and as a neutral, you have to look at it and just admire the way that Klopp picked out and, and Liverpool picked up the exact player they need because how many years have we said, oh, Liverpool City in the title race, but what happens if something happens to the front three? Well, this year, something's happened to the front three and it's got better, arguably. So absolute um, joy to watch his impact and, and joy to watch the way that, even like the coaching, like how Klopp's been able to get him into the lineup. I'm in awe of it. It's absolutely remarkable. Calls himself a Chelsea fan. Can't believe it. Can't believe he's saying that. Wash your mouth out with soap. Calls it's Timo Werner. What do you want about Dave Wiener? Oh, Schwartz, you should have... I tell you what, you should have seen his miss in the first five minutes today. Oh, put those away and he will be. You'll be unplayable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll... Uh... We'll, we'll talk about that at length because it was quite extraordinary. Just uh, before we let you go, Mark, what sort of reception do you get these days at Anfield? Well, absolutely brilliant because there's no one there. <laughs> Stand, standing ovation, <laughs> eh? Surely, yeah, though, surely, though, surely, though, the club officials just see you coming and go, oh, not this bloke again. Mate, I tell you what, I, I have a really good relationship with everyone at Liverpool and even the fans, you know, um, it's been brilliant. I mean, the, the, the Liverpool fans in Australia are the ones that hate me the most. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the ones in, in England uh, at the games week in, week out, where I, I have a perfectly fine relationship with. And, and I, I've never had a problem at, at Anfield. They've always been very respectful. And I've been equally towards them. And although a lot of Aussie Liverpool fans probably think it's not correct, entirely correct, but, you know. Now, Schwartz, you remember that game? All of a sudden, you just didn't want to take any goal kicks. You couldn't take them. You had to give them to your teammates to take. If the ball came out to you at Anfield tomorrow in the stands, would your instinct still be to maybe throw it up higher up the Anfield stands or something just to waste some more time? <laughs> would that still be in your in your game plan, given what you did all those years ago? Oh, I never did anything of the sort, David Winner. I, I don't know what you're suggesting. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I can't remember what you're talking about whatsoever. I just remember we won two 0 That's what I'm saying. Great to get the thoughts of our sideline eye and bullshit artist and liar from way back, Mark Schwarzer. Mate, uh, thanks for your company this morning. We'll catch you on the coverage tomorrow. Looking forward to your input as always. Oh, I can't wait, mate. Absolutely can't wait. I'm dying to see you guys again and speak to you. And, um, yeah, 
Yeah, we'll take we'll take that at face value. Cheers, Schwartzy. Catch up with you soon, mate. We didn't actually get a chance there, Thomas, to talk about his scarf game. I mean, I feel like we've spoken about it at length over the years, but it's been cold up there as well. He's uh, earning his paycheck, I would have thought, up there in the cold northern winter, which you know all about. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, no, it worried him a little when we said he had a scarf selection that he, he was bringing to the north. You know, the, oh yeah, the, mixes the, it up. The, yeah, so uh, you know, again, uh, it's it's a you know great time of year to play football in in the, in the north of England. Uh, you know, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Could be cold, windy, uh, rainy. So uh, it's going to be a, a classic again tomorrow. Uh, I think Atalanta is going to again like like they've done in the past. They're going to put a span in the works. The the, the way they play, it's it's not going to be easy for Liverpool. But uh, I agree with Swartzy. The you know the form that they've been in and and uh, you know the players they've been able to 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 put in uh, for other yeah. players. The Firmino has been out and then. Yota comes in and does really well. You know, I think it, it sets them up nicely for this one. It is a free hit, isn't it? Because it's all about Ajax with Atalanta in this group. So if uh, Atalanta can catch Liverpool off their game, a little bit like they did with Manchester City when they recovered their campaign last year, um, having a slow start, they've got to look at it like that. But um, they had their first nil or draw in a year on the weekend. So I wonder whether they've uh, started to rein things in a little bit after they, they copped five a couple of weeks back. Yeah, they've drawn the two games since. They're sitting seventh in Serie A. They're not exactly flying Atalanta. Still scoring and still dangerous, but against Liverpool, you don't really sense that they'll put up too much of a fight if the Reds are as good as they were against Leicester. Now, elsewhere, we've mentioned the fact, of course, that Chelsea are through, the first English club through, in a season when all the English sides, Thomas, are doing really, really well. And it was that guy, Olivier Giroud, pops up at this time of the year before January and the transfer window opens, but he's in great form, isn't he? Yeah, no, he's a, he's a really, really good player. And, uh, you know, he got a, a fair bit of stick after the World Cup and he didn't score and, and, and uh, people, uh, you know, didn't rate him. But uh, I think... You know, he showed when he was needed. He was out of favour at Chelsea, and and you know, there's lots of lots of talk last season. He he stuck by it. He, you know, he he was ready for when he was needed, and he went in and and scored the goals. and And he's done the same this year. You know, he's a, he's a great squad player, and and he offers something different. Werner is is one kind of player, and today they they play together. You know, Giroud just pops up like he did. Uh, you know, with a header laid on, he's got that physicality, and he's good in a link up play. Uh, so he offers a, a something that they need as well. Yeah, they're really uh, struggling for depth, aren't they, Chelsea? 93rd minute winner, 2-1 win over Ren, gets them through the knockout stage. You mentioned it before, that Werner miss, Dave. I know he's in great form. He was so good against Newcastle, creating from deep. But this was a howler, wasn't it? It it was one of those that are so bad that you actually watch it and go, you know when you miss from point black range, you go, oh, that's a sitter, that's going to go viral. This was such a sitter. You actually look at it and go, was that as bad as it? That couldn't be that bad. He actually missed that. What? Um, one, watching him in the weekend and in the last few weeks, I kind of think if he gets his shooting boots on in that close range, I actually think he is almost unplayable. I, I honestly think come in the Premier League, come next sort of the turn of the year, if he can put away those half chances he's getting, his play off the left linking in, like, he's better than I thought he would be. He, he's, he's close to unplayable. He is a, a very, very good player. You know, I love his, his work ethic. Um, you can see he's got the, the tactical awareness, uh, the timing. Yeah, his shooting might be, be a little bit off, but, uh, you know, he's going to f- find his groove again. Um, and, and they've got other players around him that, that, that has shown that mm. they, they're going to skip in, as, uh, tip in as well. And um, <laughs> what a signing. You know, they're every, worth every penny. Yeah, Ch- Chelsea weren't great today, Rich. They weren't great, but they got the job done. 
Yeah, that's a good sign, isn't it? When we're expecting them to win so many games, three or four nil, to do that is also good. Ahead of Tottenham on the weekend, which will be an unbelievable game in the Premier League. Now, elsewhere in Group E, Sevilla went through. I wonder, Thomas, if you're a Sevilla fan at this point, would you be disappointed with this? Because they're the Europa League specialists. They've done it easy. They won't be in the Europa League this season, but they also don't look that good. I mean, they've done well after four games to get through, but domestically they're struggling. This is their wrong competition for them, surely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've, they've gone used to lifting that uh, Europa League uh, trophy. Uh, I think it's time for something new and uh, a new challenge. So, uh, you know, good on them. Uh, I think, that, as you said, they've they got a solid side, uh, you know, and they, they, they'll pose a threat in, in the knockout stages, but... You know, I don't think they'll get near the final. Uh, I don't think they have the squad for that. Um, but again, you know, they, they deserve it. I think they're good enough to be in, a, in the Champions League. Big questions over Barcelona going into this season. I know Ronald Koeman. Well, the news is after four games, they are through to the knockout stage. And joining us on the line, John Aloisi has kept a good eye on them over the season so far. Comfortable winners, uh, 4-0 over Dinamo Kiev this morning. Uh, John, it took them a little while to crack the Ukrainian team. Once they did, it was pretty straightforward with a Barcelona B team. Are they good enough to win the Champions League this season, do you think, or not? Not at the moment. They're definitely not. Uh, yeah, they've got through this group stage quite easily. They look good in Champions League football, but they've been pretty inconsistent in the league. And there's still a lot of question marks over the club in general. Who's going to be the next president? The board, um, Laporta, who was the previous president when they went on that great run with Guardiola, um, he, he looks like he could be in the running now. So there's a lot to play out within the club. And Messi still doesn't look happy. He's, uh, he's struggled so far this season. So I don't think they're the team that could, um, at the moment especially, uh, really contest for the Champions League title. What about, though, Thomas, the Danish wizard, Martin Brathwaite, with him, brace this morning? Uh, surely they can go and win it with if he's at his best. <laughs> you know, you, we were talking about Messi, and and this is the one you bring up. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a good player. You know, he's he's, he's done well. If, yeah, does he belong at at uh, you know uh, Barcelona? I'm I'm not quite sure, but uh, he's filled a role. And and again today he popped up with with two goals and and got to take a penalty. I was surprised that even Griezmann and there was other people on the park who didn't take it. Uh, but good on him. Uh, you know, he's he's still struggling though to to get enough goals. I think to to be at a club like Barcelona. It was so hard not to. Call him Daryl. It's just there's only one Braithwaite <laughs> in Australia. I had to try really hard there. Um, but John, it was so interesting because obviously they decimated at the back, but they left Frankie de Jong at home because it looks like he probably will have to deputise there through the course of the next few weeks with Jared Piquet and others out. Obviously, Messi left back home. Griezmann with all these players unavailable, obviously still on the bench too because they need him fit. Um, so far off the pace in the league, what actually is um, par for Ronald Koeman? What do you think they can actually achieve this year, this season? Oh, that's a good question. At the moment, the, the league title is um, is definitely open because you know Real Madrid have got their issues. They've got uh, major injuries, especially to, to Ramos. Um, they haven't been at the, in the best form uh, of late. And then you've got uh, Atletico Madrid, who are looking strong, and Real Sociedad. They're, they're the, the challenges. So if Koeman can get it right, we know with with Messi, if you get Messi happy and firing on all cylinders, he can win football games by himself. At the back is going to be question marks because TK is now out for a long period. Can De Jong really fill that position? I'm not 100% sure, but um, uh, look, I think that a top four for them is uh, considered a, a plus and a bonus for them. 
My favourite shot from this game after Griezmann scored the fourth, the camera cut to Ronald Koeman sitting in the dugout just spitting his chewing gum out. That's what he thought of the whole thing. Just a comfortable 4-0 win on the road. Dave, elsewhere in this group, Juve are through. It was pretty tough for them, a 2-1 win against Ferenc Varas of Hungary. But you've picked up on some comments made in the press afterwards about one of their midfielders from the boss. Yeah, Andrea Pella talking about Artur. I mean, I'm watching this game thinking, how are Juventus not bossing this Dictating the tempo and, and so on. And uh, yeah, Perlo picked out Artur and said, he, I think it was a, a pig-headed performance and that, uh, I can't remember the quotes exactly, but he ripped into him. I'll look them up in a moment. He absolutely ripped into him. Um, and uh, it, it probably makes sense given that he's watching like we are, thinking, what is this team doing against a, a gallant Hungarian outfit in Ferenc Varas, but one that should not A, be leading and B, be um, holding on till the 93rd minute against a side with the might of um, Juventus with Ronaldo bailing them out um, with Alvaro Morata doing likewise. I mean, you mentioned on, on the show, John, that you think they, they are improving, um, but Andrea Perlo, he, he's got a tough task. He was thrown in the deep end, um, but uh, they've still got a fair bit of work to do to be at their coherent best, don't they? Yeah, they do. I, I think Pjanic uh, has been a, a major loss for him. Uh, Artur is supposed to be that player, that, or Arta is supposed to be that player that actually takes that position and, and dictates that midfield. Um, they haven't uh, really been dominating, uh, especially in Serra at the moment. They had a good win on the weekend, but it all coincides with Ronaldo being back. Mm. When Ronaldo is back on the pitch, they win football games because he scores goals and he's their leader. But... Um, Defensively, they're looking a little bit better. Um, and I still think that they'll be there at the end of the season competing for Serie A and also in Champions League. Are they good enough to win it? Probably not, but they'll get through the group stage and then you know, from there you just don't know what can happen. Yeah, they are into the round of 16 after that result this morning where Ronaldo scored a great equaliser with his left and then it was Alvaro Morata, who's been in good form but admittedly needed some help from the goalkeeper late on to get the winner. Those comments that we mentioned from Pirlo saying Artur doesn't have much vision and got pig-headed today uh, with central passes, uh, which is a yeah, fascinating way to describe a player after ultimately they won in public, which is fascinating. Uh, Thomas, elsewhere we saw another big victory for Borussia Dortmund and yet again a couple more goals for Erling Braut Haaland. Dave, as a goalkeeper, asked you as a goalkeeper a really interesting question I thought on the post game, which is, as a goalkeeper, can you actually do anything about someone that is such a good marksman? I mean, surely it's the responsibility of the guys in front of you to not give him space, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Uh, and you can try to, to limit, uh, but when you've got good players, you know, they find that space. They, 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 they move at the right time. Uh, that the timing is is impeccable and and that's what you can see it you know whenever he makes the, the deep runs there's always a, an idea behind it. he always checks at the right time he, he anticipates he's got a good understanding with with the players yeah. he, he, he plays with and uh, and and you know the you know you as a goalkeeper you, you hate those players because they always pop up and they're, they're always you know tend to be a, a half a yard uh, too too quick for the defenders and and always get in and and don't miss many now, and even when he's having a blood like he was for the third goal he got a pass straight to him from the opposition defender to put away john yeah the thing is also with with uh, harlan his finishing is so uh, consistent um, and and it's not always the same finish i saw a couple of his mm. goals on the weekend he hit across the goalkeeper and this one this morning, he's hit at the near post. And Thomas, you know, as a keeper, he, the keeper didn't leave too much space, but the height he hit it at was in between the, the feet and the hands, and uh, and he was able to curl it uh, into that near post. He's, he's so clinical in front of goals. Not only is his runs good, he doesn't miss too many chances either. 
So is he the best striker in the world now, guys? I want to know from both of you. Is he taken over from, say, I mean, everyone was saying Lewandowski was Ballon d'Or material this year, but like, okay, maybe if he's not now, how far off is he? I think he, you can uh, put him up uh, as, as uh, probably the best finisher. Uh, you know, a striker, you know, that term is, is hard to sort of define because you've you got different different kind of players. You know, uh, you've got a Kane. Is he, you know, he, he, he's he got, I don't know, eight, nine goals and eight, nine assists, you know, so is that mm-hmm. better? Um, you know, but he's a different type. But I think as a finisher, you know, we talked about it in depth. Uh, in, in depth, uh, You know, he's he's definitely, in my view, uh, along with Lewandowski, the, the best. I'll tell you who weren't yeah. helped this morning, by the way, by their striker, and that was their opposition, Borussia Dortmund's opposition in Club Bruges. They lost <laughs> this one in the end, and they weren't helped because Emmanuel Dennis, their striker, apparently didn't travel with the team because when he got on the team coach on the bus, he couldn't get his regular seat. He stormed off and so wasn't taken with the squad to Dortmund. John, have you witnessed anything like this, either as a player or a coach? Yes, that does make sense. (laughs) (laughs) Good on him. Good on him. (laughs) It's funny, though, because footballers are very uh, particular and uh, they like to prepare in in the same way for every game. You know, uh, they've got their little, uh, you know, things that they go by, whether it's putting their left boot on first or their right boot or whatever it is. And I have witnessed something very similar. Uh, Jelko Kallet, you probably won't mind me saying this. I remember him walking on the bus once and a young player was sitting in his spot and he just told him not too many words just to get out of his spot. Um, and so he sat there and uh, he didn't have to get off the bus and, and not play the game. <laughs> wow. I take it you can't tell us the words exactly. <laughs> <laughs> beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Hang on, Johnny. When, when do the borders open? I'm just going to go measure the couch that we've got here and make sure there's enough space for us to be socially distant for when you come back in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A reserve for Jay Aloisi it is. And, uh, well, the borders are open. He'll be back in the studio very soon, which is nice to see. Speaking about strikers, Tiro Immobile is probably in that conversation or on the edges, the fringes of it as well. The opening goal in a good win for Lazio over Zenit this morning was an absolute banger, Thomas. Yeah, um, I think last year were, were really good. Um, again, a comfortable win, and and he was right at the heart of it. The, the first goal, uh, you know, top corner from from outside the box. You know, he's. Uh, I think John summed it up on on, on this morning's show. You know, he's. Uh, a, you know, so important to, to Lazio on whatever they do. The, the amount of goals uh, that, that he gets in uh, probably doesn't get the credit that he deserves sometimes, but, uh, you know, he's he's their best uh, uh, best man, in my view. So both Dortmund and Lazio aren't officially through to the round of 16, but they are. Take it from us, they're pretty much through. You can uh, put the bank on that if you like. Don't do it. Don't blame me if you actually happen to do that. Uh, elsewhere, the only game we haven't spoken about this morning is PSG and Leipzig. Now, John, this was strange. I suppose, settled by just the lone goal. It came early as well. It was from the penalty spot in Neymar. What was really interesting was that he rubbed the ball into the turf like he was trying to sit the ball down further into the penalty spot. This is something you don't often see. As a striker, can you take us through what was happening here? Yeah, I, the only thing that I can think of is that he wanted to hit it along the floor and he didn't want to get underneath it at all to put it at, at a keeper's height that's more comfortable for the keeper. That, that's the only thing. I've never really seen that done before. Um, strain from Neymar, but you can't complain because he put it in the back of the net. But uh, it wasn't a great performance from PSG. They weren't really in the game. As soon as they scored their goal, they sat off and then just soaked up the pressure from Leipzig. But in the end, an important win because that puts them in a good position now. 
yeah, they need to get some results over the last two. But they are level with Leipzig, which is obviously beneficial for them. No, they missed Timo Werner this morning. Like, you actually watched that game. They, they just missed a bit of quality. He plays for Chelsea now, though, Dave. I know. I just <laughs> want to remind everyone how much they how much they miss him. This is Robert in. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. should see how smug his face was, Dave Weiner, when he said that as well. <laughs> By the way, 38% of the ball for PSG. That's just, I just think that's a really important thing to say, just to paint the picture of how that game played out in that in, intriguing clash of styles. It did seem once they went ahead that they were very much on the back foot from them, but they held out and they got the three points. Now, tomorrow morning, we've already spoken about Liverpool and Atalanta being a big one. What about Inter Milan at home to Real Madrid, Thomas? I mean, these two sides are third and fourth in a group that also has Mönchengladbach top, Shakhtar Donetsk second. I know there are still three matches to go, but surely this has to be a really tense, desperate occasion tomorrow morning. Yeah, uh, a lot of pressure. You know, two sides that are they're not going particularly well. And, and uh, you know, depending on, you know, what happens in the other game, it could leave one of these teams, if they lose, uh, in, a, in a more or less impossible position. And, uh, you know, when you, especially Real Madrid, um, but again, Inter as well, you know, not qualifying for the next uh, for the next stage. Oh. When you look at what teams they're up against, uh, it would be a disaster. Uh, and surely managers could uh, could uh, oh could go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, the expectation on Zinedine Zidane at any point, but he also John won't have Ramos, Benzema, Valverde. He's going to have to use some of the youngsters, but maybe that's a good thing as well. We know how reliable Ramos and Benzema are, but the youngsters generally have done pretty well when they've come in in this particular competition. How do you see this one playing out tomorrow? Well, it's, uh, I think that both sides are in all sorts of trouble in this group. Uh, yeah, whoever wins this game will probably be in the box seat of getting through, but uh, it doesn't look too good for them going forward. But um, I think that uh, Real Madrid have got Mariano, who scored on the weekend. He he, uh, he played and did well. Doesn't get many starts, the Brazilian. Um, but at the back, without Ramos, they just they lack that leader and that that, that player that just uh, instills confidence in not only their back four but right the way through. So I think that Inter Milan will be too strong. I think Conte will be able to get one back uh, on Zidane, his former teammate, and uh, and I think Inter will end up scraping through the group. I tell you something interesting. I heard in an in Italian football in the press this week was. Um, Conte's on such big wages that he's almost unsackable. So he's, he's almost got a free hit. And, and, and the wages you speak of are probably still his Chelsea wages, well, are they? That would top it up. That, that's a nice bit of superannuation <laughs> he's got going there from Roman Abramovich. One of the 27 former Chelsea bosses still getting paid by the club, I'm sure. He's probably okay, despite the fact that Inter are on only two points after three games so far. So tomorrow morning, Bayern Munich can go through and you would expect them to do as such. Also keep an eye out because Manchester City can progress and Liverpool, as we know, at home to Atalanta will be favoured to make it through to the knockout stage. Uh, Looking forward to your company tomorrow morning as always, John. Uh, Thanks for your input today and we'll see you then. Thanks, boys. Can't wait. Always good to get the thoughts of John Aloisi. Uh, I mentioned before, Thomas, how excited you were to come into the studio today. You've got enough energy left to come in tomorrow for another big one? Surely, uh, you know what a what a game to come in for. You know, I'll get up early. You know, three o'clock if uh, you need me to. <laughs> Maybe not. But uh, yeah, great game to look forward to. The joys, are Dave Weiner, of enjoying football in an Australian time zone, but in breakfast time zone tomorrow morning, plenty of storylines. Should be plenty of goals. Absolutely, there always is. And even today, when it was tracking easily, you had Juve, Sevilla, and, and uh, Chelsea doing it in stoppage time. So it always delivers. It's great. Beauty. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. We appreciate your company as always. Between now and the next match day edition of the Gagan Pod, which incidentally is tomorrow, enjoy your football.